Welcome to Try Talking Sport, the podium podcast for athletes, adventurers and endurance enthusiasts, hosted by me, Joanne Murphy. This episode is a slight digression from some of the previous shows, as those of you who follow me on social media will know I spent a fantastic few days at the KBC Dublin Marathon Expo talking to lots of people, gathering stories and unexpectedly supporting Frank Greeley in hosting the running stage. I had the opportunity to host some interviews on stage including Shane Finn, Mary Nolan Hickey and 11 of the 13 athletes who had participated in all KBC Dublin marathons to date. I also managed to have a great chat with Frank Greeley himself live on the stage, which was, as always, insightful and informative. After a lacklustre effort at training for the marathon myself this year, despite my best efforts to train around my sometimes crazy schedule, I made the very sensible decision on the Thursday before the race not to take part in this year's event. Although I would have loved to have crossed that finish line myself and earned my medal, you really have to respect the distance of the marathon and the miles required before it that are necessary to get you in good shape to participate. So instead, on race day, I was at the start and the finish line with my recorder and phone, working on the media side of things, gathering stories and interviews for the show and for runireland.com. A side of events I hadn't really worked previously, but I had a ball. Such a buzz on the finish line, seeing everyone cross the line, getting photos, interviews with the athletes. I saw the event from a completely different side from announcing, and it was such a fantastic experience. Huge congratulations to everyone who completed the marathon, whether you ran it, jogged it, walked it, or crawled it. It's a fantastic achievement, and you should be proud of yourself when you look at that wonderful 40th anniversary medal. Now, back to this episode. My plan for this KBC Dublin Marathon special, featuring stories of the people I met over the marathon weekend, was to just be one show. But when I started going through all the stories collected from the variety of people I met, I just couldn't condense it all into one episode. So, over the coming weeks, we will release a number of episodes which have some incredible stories of inspiration, personal bests, overcoming adversity, and we meet some of the team who've been involved in the marathon for many of its 40 years. Today, on this episode, you will meet some of the people I chatted with at the Expo. Mary Nolan Hickey, the 67-year-old athlete from Arklow, who is the only woman to finish all 40 editions of the marathon in Dublin. Colette O'Hagan, who is fondly referred to as the running granny, but at 70 years of age, she shows no signs of stopping her running journey, completing her 695th marathon in Dublin. Tom and Alan from Middlesbrough in the UK, who are both 80 years of age and were full of fun and inspiration and sharp as a button in telling me tales of their running adventures. We had lots of fun at the race registration area on the Friday evening. I also chatted with Gordon Harold, who tells us about some of the plans for 2020 for KBC Dublin Marathon and their focus on supporting mental health initiatives throughout the year and the race series. I also managed to grab a few minutes with Frank Greeley on the stage who talks about his current passion projects and gives us some insights into the Daily Mile and the importance of sport and movement for children in our schools. I also had the pleasure of meeting Paul Moran who is the new chairperson of the Marathon Committee. He took some time out to talk about his role in this anniversary year and the importance of volunteers to the event. And of course, speaking of volunteers, I bumped into the wonderful Anne and Amelia from Waterstown Warriors who were volunteering on the Friday of the Expo and had a busy few days ahead. 
And finally, I have a quick chat with Declan Byrne, Regional Director of Ironman UK and Ireland, about his ambitions for his race day on Sunday. So buckle up as we head straight into the interview with Mary Nolan Hickey, recorded live on the stage on Saturday afternoon. For the next 10 or 15 minutes, it's going to be all about this lovely lady from Arklow, who is just a, a serious inspiration. She's such a lovely lady. I've watched her from afar. Uh, I've seen what she's done. Uh, you know, she rose to fame, really, when she decided to do a lap of the map of Ireland, if you don't mind. We'll get into that in a few minutes' time. But she decided to do it for the RNLI to raise funds because she lives in a coastal area. She decided to support the RNLI and raise, you know, 20,000 euro, as you do, um, by doing this uh, epic adventure around the country she's raised almost 75,000 euro through that expedition and she went around the north of the country first and then she went down around the south keeping the coast on her right hand side the whole time and it wasn't enough that she did that but that this year she then went back and jumped on her bicycle and decided to cycle in the opposite direction and cover even more distance she is the only female to complete every single Dublin marathon since it started 40 years ago please give a big big round of applause for Mary Nolan Hickey ladies and gentlemen. So, uh, Mary, we're, we're, we're tight on time, but I'm not going to take any notice of anybody that tells me to stop talking today on this stage because you're a bloody legend. I mean, we spoke for the very first time about half an hour ago over a quick coffee and I was blown away, first of all, by your humility, but also you're just, you're just a normal person who has done an extraordinary thing. Let's put aside your 39 Dublin marathons and let's go straight into who actually is Mary Nolan Hickey. Where did this obsession with running come from and, and where, where are we going with it? Well, I started in 1968 in Arklow. They started an athletic club and uh, I wandered on out and I went in a little race and that kind of got me going. And I used to run 400, 800 meters. And if someone said to me, run a mile, I'd say, no, forget that. I'm not doing four laps. It's too much. And then 1980 came around and I saw an advertisement for the Dublin Marathon and I don't know why, but I entered it and turned up on the start line with one very bad 18-miler behind me, which nearly killed me, and off I went. Um, it was kind of a lonely day, all right, because there was only 40 women that finished the Dublin Marathon, so uh, it was a case when I got up to around 18 miles, my calves just went into knots, and I thought, oh my God, what's happening here? So I just decided I'd keep trotting along as best I could and got to the finish line. And like everybody else, usually when they finish one, they go, oh my God, never again. But here I am. So 40 years of running Dublin, but like what makes Dublin so special? I know it's grown exponentially every single year. It is one of the, probably is the friendliest marathon uh, in the world. But what is it about Dublin that's just so special that you want to come back every year? Well, in the early years, I was a fairly competitive athlete. I managed to get my time down to under the three hours, and I was competing and trying to run fast. So the first years were kind of all about trying to do well in the race and, you know, try and be up there in my age group. And that that became a thing. And then I kind of thought, I'll go again, I'll go again. And before I knew where I was, I was up around 21 marathons, 21 years in. And there was another girl, Bridget McCabe from Mullingar, myself and Bridget became the only two. So we used to turn up each year and see who'd come in ahead of who. And we kind of had this little thing going. And then I think Bridget stopped year 20. 
And I would kind of thought, now that's it. I'm the last woman standing. So I said, what will I do now? You know, and I kind of thought, well, I still enjoy it. So I'm going to keep turning up as long as I'm getting a crack out of it, you know, because there's no money in it. It's just a pure pleasure of, of getting yourself through the Dublin Marathon. But the Dublin Marathon is something special over the years because the crowds, I mean, it's unbelievable. Sometimes you feel like you're in the Tour of France getting to the top of a hill because they're closing in on you and cheering you. And it's very hard to kind of... No matter how bad you're feeling, they will help you along. Definitely, they'll help you along. So you've gone from like the extreme of having thousands and thousands of people across 26.2 miles of running to running in the most remote parts of Ireland. And we heard some stories earlier about this. Uh, but some of the most remote parts of Ireland on your lap of the map, uh, which you started on the 1st of January 2018. Uh, how many miles in total was that, Mary? You know, I think it was uh, 1,509 miles, I think, because I just ran every day. The first days, I kind of went a bit mad because there was no great planning to this. I just threw a map down on a table, got a biro and went Arklow, Greystones, Holt, Scarries, all the way up to Malinhead. And then I kind of got a backup team came behind me in Arklow and they sort of done the rest of the planning for me. But I was on my own out on the course, you know, and I'd come into little towns and people would sort of look behind and say, where's the backup? Where's the van? And I said, no, there's no van. It'd be very boring following me around the country in a van because I wanted to do it at my own pace and not feel the pressure. So it was lovely. Um, I did it for the RNLI and I did not expect them to come behind me the way they did. I had visions of me coming into little towns and villages miserable wet and cold and just looking for the nearest hostel and looking for somewhere to stay but the people got behind me and uh, I never had to I had never had to find a bed you know I think you mentioned it before that when you decided you were going to do the lap of the map that somebody said Mary what do you do when you get lost in a supermarket you know uh, how did you find your way around the country and how did you decide to go into or not into a, a local village that you might come across um, it was very, there was no great planning in it, but the backup team that got behind me did maps for me every day. So I just had to literally go and find my way to the next town and the next town. I mean, I had some hairy days, all right, weather-wise, but you can't get lost with Google Maps and you can't get lost if you're going around the coast and you're on an island and you keep the sea on your right. Just keep asking people, is the sea over there? And if it is, then you're not gone wrong. Were you ever afraid out on the roads on your own or anything or, or were you worried about like getting lost or maybe getting tired or sick or anything like that? Well, every morning you got up, you were a bit apprehensive because you hadn't a clue what the road was like, what way it was going to turn out. But uh, no, I didn't have a fear. I had a, a decent respect for what I was trying to do and a good sense of keeping myself safe and um, kind of backup plans in my head if things go wrong. But nothing went wrong. And I know that you talk about the welcome that you got in the towns and the villages around the country, that basically Ireland opened its arms to you no matter where you were. Uh, and the RNLI obviously came behind you as well. With that, there was banners, there was parties, there was beds, there was cups of tea on the side of the road for you. There was everything. There was. People actually, when they knew I was coming, they'd leave bottles of water and bananas and things. Like I had food stops all the way around the country. It was fantastic. It really, really was. So then you finished on, was it the 18th of April, 17th or 18th of April of 2018? So then in this year, 2019, you decided to jump on your bicycle. As you do, just jump on your bike after running around the country. You jump on your bike and you decide to cycle in the opposite direction. So did you go back to places you'd been to before or did you get to new places and new adventures? 
mostly I went. I did all, go back to all the places I went to before, but I went further out onto the headlands. I went to every little headland that I had missed when I was running. When I was running, I stayed on the safest roads nearest the coast, but when I was cycling, I went out to the lighthouses and things like that because I wanted to see them, you know. So it was a, bit, a good bit longer of, in mileage, but uh, still as, as amazing as the first trip. If you're to look back on, on the two trips, what was the, the highlight of, of one or maybe both of them? What was the, I know probably crossing the finish line and coming home into Arklow to a hero's welcome was probably amazing. But as, aside from that, you know, is there any little highlight out on the course that, that you took uh, that will just stick in your mind forever? Well, for, you know, I was thinking, you know, the first week or two, I was kind of wondering, what is it, why did I do this and what is it about this trip? that I'm finding so good. I'll tell you what it was. It was the people in the villages, little quiet villages that had lost their, 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 their guard station, their shop, their post office. Everything was gone. But the spirit in the villages, especially where the RNLI stations were, was fantastic. The people were just so welcoming and so lovely. So I'll always remember the, the little villages and the, the towns that I went through and the big towns as well, everywhere. So you're self-employed at home in Arklow and you have a big community around you. They must think you're absolutely nuts, do they? Oh, I think they're getting a bit fed up with me at this stage. Um, no, I just, you know, you live your life, you do your normal day, you work hard, but you have to have little plans to keep yourself going. And I love the idea of doing something different. So um, I've always kind of looked around for something different to do. The marathon every year is definitely a thing I have to do. I feel I want to do it. And the day I feel as though I'm not getting any joy out of it, that'll be the day I won't do it. As I say, tomorrow will be very, very interesting because I am carrying a good bit of injury this year. But like a lot of people going to the start line, it'll be a mystery tour for most of us, especially for first timers. I really want to wish them really well because it is very um, daunting to run a marathon and it needs to be respected. So, but the way I'm going to do it tomorrow, I plan to just jog out as many miles, well, it won't be miles, I'll jog out for about 10, 15 minutes if I can, and then I'll break it down into walking and jogging. And all we have to do is get from the start line to the finish line and whatever happens in between, I always say, we'll cope with that, we'll manage it and the support will be amazing out there. Yeah, it's, uh, it's incredible, uh, you know, when, when I listen to you here, I, I feel like I'm talking to a, a young athlete that's just at the start of their career in endurance, a bit like uh, Shane Finn that we were chatting to earlier, but you know, you're, you're 68 years of age, 67, I apologize, I apologize to 67, I do apologize, but, but you know, I, I met a guy yesterday, I met two guys yesterday uh, from Middlesbrough who are 80 years of age, and one of them is running his sixth marathon here in Dublin tomorrow, it's only his sixth marathon, but he's 80, the other gentleman has run 350 six 5k park runs I was chatting with Colette O'Hagan who's 70 uh, you know and she she was saying to herself saying to me you know people call her the, the granny the active granny and she's like but I don't feel like a granny I'm not old um, you know for people who and, and just to mention you know at Ironman two weeks ago in Kona the world championships the oldest athlete to cross the finish line was 81 years of age after swimming cycling and running uh, a marathon at the end of it a uh, hundred and Oh, the distance, 140.6 miles of racing. But age is, is not something that we should be looking at as something that's a barrier for anybody to do anything because you really should be continuing to have adventures and, and to just follow your passion and your dreams regardless of your age, if your body allows it. If, you, if your body allows it and your mind is strong, it's amazing what you can do. I always reckon, I've, I 
treat my body like it's a vehicle. The wheels are coming off now a little bit, uh, getting a bit rusty, but the engine is up here and the engine still is good and it still wants to do these things. So this is the boss and the rest will just have to follow the boss. So how does it feel uh, starting tomorrow, 40th edition of the Dublin Marathon, knowing that you're the, the, the last standing female, really, from the very first event all those years ago? It, it's, it's an honour to be still standing here. I know there's a lot of other really good women athletes that just didn't get into the first one, unfortunately. Uh, I know they would have still been, I know some of them would still, would still be doing it 40 years later. So it is a bit special. Uh, from the first one, I always feel as though it was in the black and white days, actually, to be here now uh, with 22,000 other people on the start line. It'll be a bit special, all right, definitely. And we've seen, you know, I suppose in the, in the heyday, I mean, you, so we'll go back a little bit because you were a trailblazer. I think you're a bit of a trailblazer myself, Presley, because you did the first Dublin Marathon, you did the first London Marathon, you did the first ever triathlon that was in Ireland. So, you know, I would say that you're very brave. You know, yeah, well, I am a bit brave because the first triathlon, I couldn't swim and there was no wetsuits and I had to swim out to the mouth of Greystones Harbour and all I could think of was, holy God, am I going to get back? I was doggy paddling, backstroking, whatever you could do. And uh, I had a hurling helmet on my head on the bike and was a borrowed bike. So, but you, you don't think about it when you're, when you're at the fitness level I was at was very good. So I just want, I said, here's a first, another first, I'll have to have a go at this. But when you think, when I think back now, I, like I'm 67, when I think back, I think, holy God, I mean, that was a bit risky. But I, I've, there was nobody in little canoes that were going to get you out of the water back then either. But uh, I, I'm glad I did it because it was a, an adventure. And I've done, uh, I've been part of the first women's team to row across from Arklow to Aberystwyth in the Celtic Challenge, and we were the first boat in Tabaris, which, which were, the people on the sidelines were going, these are women. You think we were aliens, but we were so well trained. It was 12 of us, and we, it took us 19 hours to get across, but we were so well trained by Eamon Cavanagh in Arklow that um, we, were, we were on for that, yeah. It's fantastic to see the amount of work that's gone in to encourage more women to take up, you know, whether it's running or whether it's rowing or whatever, or triathlon or whatever it is. Um, it's absolutely fantastic to see uh, the amount of, of women that are now getting involved in sport. There's still an awful lot more that we all can do to talk about sport and to talk about women in it. Um, but definitely tomorrow, uh, there's a huge amount of people that are doing their first ever marathon, whether they're male or female. Getting to the start line of any event that you're going to do is always the hardest part of it so Mary from your years of experience as an athlete both as a short distance a long distance and the crazy stuff that you've done which has been phenomenal what would be the biggest piece of advice you'd give to somebody now with just 19 hours just over 19 hours left before the start of the marathon tomorrow well if it's a first marathon and you followed a really good plan and you have a an a plan in your head of what you want to go for i'd say go for that if you're really fit and strong and everything's gone well but if you if you haven't got the training and the mileage in and you're very very nervous about tomorrow i would say just go out easy don't get carried away at the start go out nice and easy slower than you even feel like you should run and build into it and, and don't worry about it till you get up around the 18 or 19 miles. And then if things are kind of going a bit wrong for you, just kind of zone in, concentrate, be in the moment, realize this is your marathon, you're doing the marathon. This is not a train and run where things go wrong, this is it. So just concentrate, zone in, soak up the atmosphere, listen to positivity around you, don't listen to negativity. 
and just take it one mile at a time then. What I usually do when I get near the end is, in my head, I break it down to a, a local run that I do. Um, we have this run in Auckland. It sounds very posh. We call it the Aldi Porter, but it's just around Aldi and around this thingy. So it's about five miles. So with about five miles to go, I just in my head, I just say, I've just got to do an Aldi Porter now with no hills. And I'll get, me, get myself to the finish. So if everybody just uses their mentality, break it down. Don't, don't build 26 down to one. Don't go one, two, three, four. Go from 26 down. Count them down. Get rid of them. Okay, so it's the first time I've ever heard anybody say, count it back from 26. So that's a nice piece of advice. Uh, whether you're doing your first marathon, your 101st marathon, and I see some of our, uh, our, our team here, the 13 uh, people who've done all of the 39 marathons to date here in Dublin, uh, Mary Nolan Hickey, legend, trailblazer, and the last standing woman of the Dublin Marathon after 40 years. Congratulations, thank you so much for joining us here today. Just bumped into the legend herself, uh, Colette O'Hagan, who is 70 years of age, and tomorrow she will run her 695th marathon. Colette, the last time I saw you was in Galway. You never stop. No, never stop. I run basically a marathon every weekend, maybe two marathons, maybe three marathons. It depends on what's on. I try to follow the marathon. I kind of have a marathon, what do you call it, a uh, rock and roll, uh, what do you call them? You're stalking the marathon. Stalker, the yeah, yes, exactly, <laughs> yeah, that's it. So, Colette, where are you based? I'm in Dundalk. You're in Dundalk, yeah. 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 So it's, uh, I get a lot of marathons from East of Ireland, marathons, and East Antrim marathons. So they're like within an hour away from me. And then Martin Club Ireland, they're uh, also like, they occupied a lot of marathons throughout the year. So that's how I managed to do so many marathons. So how long have you been running to clock up 695? Well, tomorrow in Dublin will be my 30th run, uh, Dublin marathon. And I've been running 30 years because I started in Dublin and I haven't missed Dublin since I started. So it's my 30th sequence of Dublin Marathon. absolutely incredible. Yeah. But how do you stop yourself from getting injured with the amount of miles that you're doing every week? Do you know what I think what it is? I'm regularly doing them, so it's not stressing the body. So say I stop now after I do Dublin tomorrow and then I don't do anything, then I start up again training in a two months or something like that. You're more likely to get injured from uh, not consistently doing running. So I'm consistent all the time, I'm running all the time, and also I'm not stressing, I'm not pushing the barrier, like the time barrier, I'm kind of running around five hours, which is nice for me, it's my kind of pace, it's not someone else's pace, so I run at my own pace, I run within myself and in my own little zone and stuff like that, and I think the fact that I'm not stressing helps me to get keep injury free. So what does a typical week of running look like for you these days? Are you, are you running every day or...? No, I, I run, uh, I do 5k every morning in the weekdays and then each weekend I'm doing at least two marathons. So I clock up around an average of 90 miles a week. And, uh, and 90 miles per week? Per week, yes. So how, how long is that in terms of, of running, in terms of time that you're on your feet actually well, running a week? that 90 miles of so, or maybe some weeks is more. Say I did three marathons in the week and then I'm doing my 5k's every morning. Um, the, actually the marathons you see are taking up clocking up the miles as yes. opposed to the 5k's yes. like do you know what I mean the 5k's only keeping my, my muscles nice and uh, loose yeah and stuff during the week so if I did nothing during the week and then I rock up every weekend and do marathons that wouldn't really work for me okay. but I think the fact that I'm running constantly and maybe I take an odd day's rest in fairness but uh, I don't take much rest but I find the 5k's are actually resting you know it's my rest period when I'm actually just 
doing so, a 5k and, and how do you recover between them then you know in terms of fueling and nutrition uh, during the week do you eat a, a, like what sort of a diet do you eat I am actually vegetarian vegan okay I'm not complete vegan but I'm sort of swaying that way but the only thing I, am, I like uh, so much is I like eggs and stuff like that so I'm not really willing to give that up but I found a lot of vegan stuff where you get vegan cheese and stuff and I like plant based foods so uh, my diet is we'd say mostly it's definitely all vegetarian some of it's vegan so but I find that you get a lot of protein in that kind of a diet and you get your carbs so you're getting everything in it and in terms of tomorrow for race day Sunday what are you most looking forward to about Dublin what is it about it that makes it so special I just love the buzz of the people and the crack with them and the, the little placards up and the little motivational things on the and the little kids with the sweeties in their hands and people actually as I said before in a, another interview was that there's some of the ladies on the street actually make tea and you can have a cup of tea so some people actually if it's cold I like, I'd like a hot drink sometimes instead of a cold drink because when I'm doing my ultras I, I prefer hot drinks to cold drinks so if I'm doing that and over the distance of marathon I prefer like a nice hot cup of soup or something like that when I'm doing longer distance to marathon so and uh, before you took up running were you sporty at all before that or I was slightly yeah because I played a lot of badminton and my husband played squash so we were kind of fairly sporting in our family when we were in our 20s and 30s so we, 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 we always partake in some sort of sport when we were younger and do you see yourself running for the next 10 years? I see myself running for the next 40 years if I can, if I live that long. I like to be running all, because I see older people now are running, which is great. As you said, you met an 80-year-old running his six marathon tomorrow, and I know a few 85-year-olds are still running. So I want to be like that and keep myself subtle and fit and be able to run right into my 90s. I think you're, you're a massive inspiration to so many people because I think people have this idea that, you know, 70 and 80 or even 60 is like an old age, but it's not anymore. And it's yes. actually the way we think about it, yeah. you know, and if we think positively about aging, it can mean so much more, lots more adventure, lots more time if you're not working, if you're retired. And there's so much of the world to see and do. And running is a great way to do that as well. Oh, yes. Uh, people see me and say, oh, she's a 70 year old grand- grandmother. And they kind of think, grandmother, that sounds really old. And they expect to see this old lady when they see me a frail old lady and then they see me and they go what (laughs) you know what I mean so it's good to be like that and it's kind of a role model to other people to say well I'm too old to do this look at the like of us like that's out there and we are older people and we're doing all this so it's a good inspiration to people to keep running to keep fit right into old age and uh, I, I was at a talk there recently where uh, with NUI Galway and they talked about uh, the students investing in their health it's like a pension for your health getting involved in sport and people forget at a young age that the importance of sport and exercise and that well you're absolutely glowing uh, here today ready for tomorrow and as always looking fabulous and Thank quirky you. and in pink with and your purple pink. hair oh, yeah. pink you. lady that's that's what I'm called, lady, yes, my yeah. nickname you now. You should be sponsored by an Apple company, the Pink oh, Lady I think so, Apple yeah. Company. Yeah. If they're listening, anybody listening, uh, you could sponsor. That'd be great, I'd love it. <laughs> thank you so much. Not at all, and best luck, of course. And thank you, you lovely to talk so to you. you thank too. you. Tom yeah. Harper and his 80, and then we have... Alan Eiston, I'm also 80, and I'm Tom's coach. Tom's coach and uh, Sherpa down here at the... Uh, the registration area for the marathon so I literally was picking up my number which I'm not able to use on Sunday right. but I picked it up and I overheard somebody say that you were 80 and I was like oh my god I have to <laughs> you so 80 years of age this yeah. is your sixth marathon yeah uh, and you're in Dublin I, I can't fathom being 80 years of age and running 26.2 miles oh well you just got to put one foot in front of the other haven't you and just go but what is it 
is it about the marathon distance or what is it about the sport well, that you love? Well, I don't know really because I didn't start running until I was 72 and uh, I did a, a half marathon with my son and when I finished that half marathon I thought, God, how can anybody run a marathon? But within six months I'd signed up for London and I said to my wife, I'm going to do London Marathon, she said. Never in this world. What do you want to do that for? I said, well, I want to do it before I get too old. And she said, no, 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 no. I said, just one. And of course, as soon as I finished it, <laughs> I wanted to do the next one. So, so you're from uh, Middlesbrough, Middlesbrough in the yeah. United Kingdom. Yeah. So you do the park run every week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but how, how much training do you do for the marathon distance? Um, well, I normally uh, start with about 12 or 14 and add two a week. For a while and i get i normally leave it at 20 or 21 i did 21 a couple of weeks back and uh and then i taper down it's absolutely incredible you do not look like an 80 year old man <laughs> so i actually did wonder whether i could see your birth certificate you but he's taking it out of the bag here now but i i, I we won't go that far um, mine as well. yours as well so um alan you're, you're also doing the the it's park run so you're not running on sunday yeah. you're like I'm, the sherpa but you're 80 years of age also yeah and, uh, I started when I was 46 running, yeah. but uh, I've done 369 park runs. And uh, how many marathons have you done? I've done four, done four marathons. Two London, one Long Bar and one Leeds. So uh, Tom has actually taken his uh, passport out of his bag and he was born on the 4th of May 1939. You must be one of the oldest marathon runners. No, um, I don't think so. Uh, well, in Dublin, I would imagine, oh, are you? Well, I don't know, really. I don't have yeah, no we idea. Must, we must find out. Maybe that'll be my homework before the show goes uh, goes out live. Um, so for you, Alan, what is it about the park run and the 5K distance that you enjoy? The comradeship. In fact, it was my GP that started me doing park runs. Uh, I tripped over, jumping over a wall at 70 odd and uh, hurt my back. And I was laid on the couch having attention. And, and I said, how long will it be before I can run? And she said, oh, you like to run? I said, yeah. I'm, she said, I'd, I'd like to do the park run. So I got home and I said to my wife, I've got a date with, with a young lady on Saturday morning at nine o'clock. <laughs> Hot, hot date on a Saturday morning with a GP, yeah, yeah. but uh, she's recently started running. She ran in Berlin this year, yeah. so I was I started her off running, uh, doing the park runs, then building up and building up, and then we did half a dozen Great North runs together. And uh, while I'm tailing back on my running now by just doing five k's and ten k's, she's getting stronger and, and fitter. Yeah, yeah and I'm just here to look after Tommy now. Does he take much looking after? Oh. He's a nightmare. I tell him to start slow and slow down, but he never takes any notice. So, Tom, what sort of time will you do on uh, Sunday? Well, or does it really matter? Is it all about the medal and just finishing? Well, it is, but I would like to get a good for age if I can. So Which what's a good for age for an 80-year-old uh, man? 5.30. Uh, I did uh, 5.06 a couple of years back. Um, the thing with that is, though, that it gets me into London in 2021 if I get a good for age now. So we'll have to see. See how we go. Is, is this your first time uh, doing the Dublin Marathon? Yeah, yeah, first time. I actually got in the. Uh, you know, it was sold out, and then they issued another two thousand. I actually got in that, so I was dead lucky, really. So it was meant to be that you were in Dublin with us this weekend. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. 
I'll shake hands with everybody as I go around. Well, listen, it's been a pleasure to meet you and uh, I really wish you the very best of luck and enjoy your Sherpa duties on Sunday and I'll be keeping an eye out for you well, and the results of the... keep my eye on him. Uh, his wife said that she's going to castrate me, so... <laughs> well, hopefully that won't happen and I look forward to seeing you coming across the finish line. Thanks so much, guys. Best of luck. So uh, randomly ended up on the stage uh, discussing um, mental health and uh, the plans for the KBC Dublin Marathon over the next couple of years to invest into mental health and I'm joined here just side of stage uh, at this section now to chat with uh, Gordon Harold, uh, who was uh, joining us uh, on stage talking about the work that he was doing with some athletes who are suffering from mental health uh, problems and mental health issues. So Gordon tell me what, what is the plan with the marathon for the next couple of years? So Joanna uh, this is the 40th marathon and um, I ran the first marathon when I was 13 years of age uh, and I've had the pleasure of being a competitive athlete since then uh, 40 odd years ago um, the story here is that uh, through running many people have um, experienced lots of positives but mental health is an area that is still very stigmatized um, and the opportunity through the Dublin race series over the next 12 months is to raise awareness around all things mental health uh, to help people feel more comfortable about discussing things to do with mental health, including the bells are going off there, just to announce that, just to back that announcement up, Joanna. Um, so we had an event that Frank really led, uh, Eamon, myself, and Enda Fitzpatrick, um, outlining the story and the plans for the next 12 months. But we hope over the next 12 months, people will feel supported and able to tell their own stories. So the big thing as well is like taking on a marathon is a mammoth task. It doesn't matter whether you've run one marathon or run 100 marathons. It's still 26.2 miles. It's not an easy thing to put your body through. Um, but it, but in doing a marathon, you're benefiting from the physical and emotional aspects of it as well, so which is all connected to your mental health. Yeah, 100%. Physical health, we know, actually promotes mental health. Um, and individuals who experience mental health problems, we know with the right type of activity and support, um, they can actually improve those mental health problems. So physical, physical exercise has long been recognised for its health benefits. People think health benefits are just physical health benefits. Actually, the mental health benefits are significant. Um, and it's probably an underestimated uh, treatment, really, for population-wide mental health problems, all ages, all abilities, and that's our objective. So what will the Marathon Series be doing next year to encompass and to embrace this whole area? So it's the entire race series of 2019-2020. Uh, the plan is to tell stories ranging from the average runner right the way through to the elite athlete, to young people, all ages, all abilities, um, to tell through their stories, raise awareness around mental health, promoting positive mental health, and engaging uh, government support to put money behind various initiatives that then offer the right type of support and service. And if somebody wants to get involved in the programme for next year, is it best to just go to the KBC Dublin Marathon website? Absolutely. And in November, there'll be an announcement uh, for the, in terms of the plans and the timetable for the next 12 months. So, Frank Greeley, I mean, I really don't know if I can do you justice, but I'm going to try. So, I've known Frank, um, I've known Frank since probably 2011, maybe 12. We've shared a stage many times, we've shared a microphone many times. Uh, Frank Greeley set a 10,000 metre running record as a junior uh, back almost 40 years ago. Frank, is it 40 years? It'll be 50 next year, actually, 50, half a century. And I'll tell you, Joanne, I was young then and I thought I'd never die, but I'm not exactly so much sure about the second part of that now. 
Well, Frank, I saw you dancing earlier today and there's no stopping you. And I don't want to hear anybody talk about age being a barrier to sport or to running because of the people that we've met earlier today. But Frank was the editor of the uh, Irish Runner magazine for 35 years. He's one of the most famous, uh, I suppose, or recognisable personalities in running across Ireland. He's now delivering the Daily Mile in schools across the country to try and encourage more young people to take up running and sport in general. We're going to hear a little bit about this. And then Frank has his own pet project, his remembrance run, his own race that he runs in, a, in partnership with Athletics Ireland. We're going to just touch on some of those few bits, Frank. Um, I think I might have done you a little bit of justice there. Oh, sorry, he's got his own podcast as well, Heroes and Friends. Uh, and you can check that out on Spotify and iTunes and all across all the uh, podcast platforms as well. Frank, I mean, you've been involved in running in Ireland for so long. Let's first of all just look at the KBC Dublin Marathon, where it's come from in 1980. 2,000 runners, 2019 with 22 and a half thousand people. Did you ever, ever think, Frank, all those years ago, that running would grow as much as it's grown, not only here in Ireland, but across the world? No, Joanne, because when I started out running, it was almost, uh, you were almost seen as an oddity. You were, uh, it certainly wasn't the thing to be doing. You're, um, I remember a woman, when I started out down in Ballyhonas and Mayo, she saw me running, and she went into my mother to advise her that I'd strain my heart. And that was, she was very sincere about that. But I didn't strain it, thanks be to God. I, I strained many another part of me uh, in between him the, here and there, but the old heart seems still to be going okay. No, I tell you, to answer the question, in the early days, I knew that there would be a running boom of some type because I saw it happen in America where I lived for a while. But I never thought it had reached the, the heights it has reached here, you know. It's absolutely amazing and miraculous and marvellous. And look at what it's doing for the health and well-being of so many people. And of course, we did talk to Enda and Gordon earlier on today about the plans for the, the Dublin Marathon for the future around uh, mental health and, and mental well-being, that it's not just about the physical aspect of it, but also running has such a huge impact on emo emotional and mental well-being as well. It has, and I hope to be right in the middle of that drive next year because I know a thing or two or three about what they're talking about because I came through a few hoops in my life myself. Uh, I've written about it in an old book that's over there called Running Full Circle. And uh, I, I just know that there's a huge need. We're very frayed at the edges as a society. And... People need all the help they can get and they need all the encouragement they can get. And running and walking, and I call walking, walking with purpose. Uh, both of those two things are people who are going forward. And I think they're bringing energy with them and they're bringing communities with them. And all I have to do is look at that Dunlear, up in Dunlear, if you could replicate that across the country. David Carey brings about 150 people to Dublin raises over 10 years a half a million euro, does his community proud, a small community. He's the light switch of the community. And if we can replicate that and if we can get this drive, instead of listening to all the blather and all the shite, for want of a better word, that's coming across the airways every morning on the radio, tune into something more positive, whether it's a, a bit of good music or a good podcast or have a good motivational talk, but get away from all that sludge that's coming down on top of us. 
So Frank, we talk about, you know, as adults, we're doing, you know, the Dublin Marathon and, and the different endurance events and the mass participation events that are, are going on across the world. But you were involved as an ambassador for a very special project. And I suppose a lot of things that we do now, it comes down to lack of education or the need for education. So you're at the forefront and at the cold face of dealing with uh, schools in encouraging kids to get off their phones, to get out and move. And it's a very special project called the Daily Mile. Yeah. And... Um you know, I didn't realize how important that was until I had grandkids. And it's only when you have grandkids you actually see the need. I had five kids of our own, but it's only when you see the grandkids and the new generation. And then I met a man called Professor Niall Miner up in DCU. And he did some research with his students. And here's what they came up with. 15-year-old boys, these are hard facts now. 15-year-old boys out there in Ireland who are doing no exercise and have very poor diets. 15-year-old boys that have been tested are already showing the arteries and blood vessels of 55-year-old men. And that is going to have a nightmare effect if we don't do something about it because we can talk about global warming and everything like that, but if we have young people who are going to be getting diseases earlier, than this generation or other generations, our health service won't be able to sustain it. And then you have another fact that came out. 20 to 25% of kids today between three and five years old are already showing distinct signs of overweight and obesity. Now, if that's not a, what do you call it, a tsunami moment for that generation. Now, the World Health Organization has said clearly if that trend continues and if we do nothing to arrest it, and we're not doing a lot, if that keeps going, this will be the first generation of kids coming through who in many cases won't outlive their parents. And the reason for that being that they will be getting fatty liver, cancers, all of these things much earlier in life than people get it today. So we have, I asked Professor Niall Miner the other day, I was doing a video with him and I said, so I said, this is a ticking time bomb. And he said, no, 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 it's not a ticking time bomb. The bomb has gone off a long time ago, but we have failed to do much about it. So we're trying to do something with the Daily Mile, Joanne, that will change. We're in 850 schools at the moment. We have 3,500 primary schools. If you don't get the kids between the ages of about 5 and 12, you've lost them. And you know, it's a lost cause if you don't get them interested in good diet, good exercise. I go in and talk to kids about a couple of things. Two things, and I say that's the same to anybody doing the marathon. I talk to them about gratitude and resilience. And you know something? The kids love it. And they put up their hands and they ask questions about it. And they're those two things. And I say to them, if you have enough gratitude, it'll carry you through life. And you know, you'll face big things in life. Well, well, I think it's important about educating the kids, but actually I think there's a lot of parents need to be educated as well, and there's a lot of societal stuff. You know, if you're in a middle-class family where you can afford to go to the shop to buy the healthy food, or, you know, and, and there's a huge aspect of it there, but, I mean, it's absolutely madness that that level of, of children, that percentage, are affected so badly by obesity or by the heart disease at such a young age, and it's quite scary. And you're right, you know, we're talking about climate change and about plastic in our oceans, but we mightn't have young men and young women in Ireland, you know, down the line in, in, in generations to come because 
they've yeah. unless we, we make a societal change and it's great the Daily Mile uh, is doing what they do and you can check it out on dailymile.ie uh, Frank there's something else that you're very passionate about as well and it has nothing to do with running but it actually does tie into your running is music and poetry has played a huge part in your life uh, as the editor-in-chief of Irish Runner you know uh, writing and everything it comes very naturally to you but you also have a great interest in music and the arts I have indeed that goes back a long way and and again, I talk about grandkids. My grandfather was the band that kind of touched on that. He was always interested in my father. And I think it's, it's what happens when you're a kid that you carry through your life. It's little things, small little things that carry you through. And music has helped sustain me at times of really difficult times in my life. And um, I love that line on a Ewan McCall song that says... And I can identify so much with it nowadays. Years go, this is from the joy of living. Years go by and they're gone with the speed of birds in flight. Our lives like the verse of a song heard in the mountain. And you know, life is so fleeting. And now you're here doing something in a moment in life. This is a moment in your lives. You have a window of opportunity tomorrow. No matter come hell or high water, you're going out there. And you're going to join a river of humanity that are all on the same, they're on the same route, they're on the same positive trajectory. And you're going to be clued in, you're going to be plugged into each other. And you're going to help each other and carry each other over the line. So music has helped and poetry has helped. Patrick Kavanagh, I'd be a big uh, fan of uh, Patrick Kavanagh. And uh, Ewan McCall again says, eagerly savour each new day and the gift of its mouth. Never lose sight of the thrill or the joy of living, you know. And those are simple things, but those are sort of things that carry us when the old waves are coming against us. And you can look like that. And we, we should lean on each other a bit more and talk a bit more. And, you know, I see that above now, as I say, in Dunlear. And the last number of weeks, I could see it on the roads around Dublin. Little groups out on Sunday mornings. You see it in Galway. You see it all over the country. And not alone are they running. They're talking, and you see, I've always said that to running, the social dimension of running is equally as important as the physical end of it. So that's about it, because uh, I think running has done an awful lot for me. I've been blessed in my life. I've covered six Olympics. I've known all the great runners and stuff. The only thing I'd like to, to say at the moment, if you think about it, I have an event. I started it in memory of a dear friend of mine, Con Hulahan, eight years ago called Remembrance Run. And what Remembrance Run is, it's not a run, it's not a race, it's an experience. We have three choirs, the, the Forget-Me-Nots choir singing at it this year. You walk or you run at your own pace and you pause and you stop and you remember. And you remember people gone before us. And... When I think of that, I even get a bit emotional because there's a couple of guys that I knew. I did a little song about it one time or a poem. And uh, I'll do the first two verses I'll recite for you. And these are lads that are no longer around, but they often stood in at the Marathon Expo. And it goes like this. I clipped their heels and they clipped mine. The boys of summer in their prime. But now they've left and gone away. While in this world I still stay. I ran Jim Mack right to the line. Dick Hodgins too another time. Eddie Spillane I shadowed too. Those boys of summer that I knew. And I have all those names. I have about 20 guys and women that I knew who have all passed. I've done a little verse about them all because that to me is a tribute back to them. And the other thing I'd say about Remembrance Run, Father Brian Darcy said it at Jimmy McGee's funeral. 
As long as you or I are remembered, we'll never die. So the spirit is very important. When I think of the Dublin Marathon here, I think of a man called Jim Dowling, who was one of the great men that wrote about it in the early days. I think of Noel Carroll. Uh, I think of so many other great spirits who made the marathon what it is, who started, they lit the flame and they kept it going. There was another great man that should be remembered called Kieran Looney. People never talk about him now, but I'm talking about him. And Josephine Healy. She was brilliant. And you know what's beautiful about Josephine Healy? The memory of her. Her husband and two of her children are here working as volunteers. They've kept that flame going. You light your own flame tomorrow. Write your own little piece of your own history tomorrow. And come home a winner. tea there with uh, Frank Greeley after uh, interviewing him on stage here at the running stage of the Dublin Marathon and who did I bump into? Only Paul Moran who is in his first year as the chair of the board of uh, Dublin Marathon and Paul what an incredible year to take on that role. Well what an incredible honour I'd say. Um, it is an incredible year also of course it is. I was delighted to be asked. Um, this is a marathon that I've participated in many many times so I'm seeing the marathon from a different side. I knew it was going to be you know, challenging work, but you, you see firsthand how hard the board has worked, and particularly those that are there many, many years. So, yes, I'm honoured and very, very lucky to have the role. So you're on the other side of the fence now because you've run this race quite a few times. And you've got your own pedigree as a, quite a, a great athlete yourself, uh, you know, but what's it like being on the other side of the fence this year and being at the helm along with Jim Ockney as the race director, but having a lot of responsibility for all those athletes out on the course tomorrow? Yeah, it's great. Look, um, being a part, part participant of this race, um, I have a fair idea of the course and the calibre of people here. I'm an ageing athlete, unfortunately, so I suppose I have to realise. So it's nice to be able to give back some of the experience I'd have. Even though I'm a very junior member of that board, I've learnt a lot from my fellow board members over the past year itself. And of course, as a race, uh, you know, there's, there's so many volunteers uh, getting involved both here in the expo and out on the course tomorrow. And they, they make what Dublin Marathon is really, the spectators, but really the volunteers, the athletes, the volunteers are key there with the, with the Dublin Marathon. Oh, absolutely. 1,500 volunteers. It's incredible. Without them, it simply wouldn't happen, the, the, the whole success of the marathon. They are the backbone of this marathon and we are so grateful for all what they do for us. Uh, Paul, what are you most looking forward to tomorrow? Um, I suppose now that we're near the start of the race, I'm looking forward to the actual race. But I, I will spend, like I did uh, my last two years volunteering, at the finish line, looking at people excited, you know, giving it everything. And it doesn't matter the time tomorrow. Everyone's a winner. We acknowledge the podium people, the first, seconds and third, males, females, wheelchairs. But everyone that crosses that line, it's wonderful to see. And I hope everyone gets across the line safely. Well, uh, thanks so much for joining us, Paul. I wish you the very best luck on your first race uh, at the helm of, of the Dublin Marathon tomorrow. Best wishes for the 40th anniversary. Anne and Amelia are here. We're just actually at the Rock and Roll Marathon stand at the moment. They've been volunteering all day here. This is Friday of the Dublin Marathon Expo. So Anne is 60 this year. That's why she's doing a marathon. Uh, she is not doing Dublin, but she's going to New York next week. But Amelia is doing her 50th park run tomorrow, Saturday. And yeah. then she is running the Dublin Marathon on Sunday. And then sure, she has to go to New York <laughs> to support Anne over uh, in the marathon over there. So ladies, tell me a little bit about what it was like behind the scenes today for registration and packet pickup. We'll go to you, Anne. 
It was it was mad to start off because the day just such a bad day, such a wet day, and we opened and the crowds just flooded in. And but everybody's in good form and everybody had what they needed and a bit of banter and wishing them luck and getting big cheers if they're doing it for the first time or if they're um, from another country. They're giving them big cheer and there's great, it's great crack on Island there. It's a, it's a nice atmosphere. It's, a, it's really enjoyable. So, Amelia, you are also part of the Waterstown Warriors uh, running club. You travel all over the country to <laughs> race. Um, so you're giving back to the community a little bit by, by doing this. And But you're also getting to say hello to lots and lots of probably very familiar faces here in Dublin. Oh, yeah, it's great. Well, what we try and do in the club as well is uh, we would always try and volunteer at certain races. So especially for rock and roll, there's always be a big number of um, warriors at rock and roll. We also volunteer at the marathon and the Remembrance Run also that's in the Phoenix Park. We always volunteer at that. So we just decided we'd come out today. I'm sitting down, so I'm resting the legs for the next two days. So we're giving out the bib numbers. And it's great seeing people that you know and seeing a friendly face. Uh, Dublin is known as a friendly marathon, and I'm hoping that we're continuing on that by being so friendly to all the people coming in, collecting their numbers today. Um, but you're heading over to New York. Uh, why did you pick uh, New York as your celebratory marathon for this year? Well, I only took up running when I was 55. And when I was 55, I met a guy at Park Run, and he produced his um, New York marathon medal and I went oh wow that's gorgeous I'd love to get one of those and so it's in, been in my head ever since and then when I was coming up to 60 I just said do something different maybe go to New York and do the marathon I'm actually raging now I'm not doing Dublin here at Dublin now I just wish I was doing Dublin I love it I've done it three times and I wish I was doing it again this year but I'm looking forward to doing New York so, Amelia, what are you most looking forward to on Sunday, other than the finish line? <laughs> that was my answer. Um, no, I'm running with a girl, and one of the ladies in our club, Rachel, and it's her first time doing it. And I love to run with somebody and to see them like finishing it and being happy like finishing it as well. So that's what I'll be doing. I hopefully stay with her in mind. Not mind her, but she's a big girl. She knows how to look after herself. But that just get her to the end and just to see that happiness when she finishes the Best of luck uh, to you on Sunday. Thank you. Uh, Amelia, and best of luck to you, Anne, in New York. It's a fabulous marathon. Thanks, I did it twice oh, about 10 years ago. Oh, I'm very brilliant. little training. I think maybe Anne's volunteering on Sunday as All well. right, okay. Wow, so mind yeah. those legs and enjoy your trip to New York. Thanks, Amelia. Thanks. Thanks, Amelia. Thank, Thank you. you. Thanks, Amelia, ladies. Enjoy Thanks, the rest Thanks. Of Thanks very much. We'll see you again soon. Declan Byrne, Regional Director of Ironman UK and Ireland. Declan, you're taking on the marathon on Sunday. Why? Um, well, basically because uh, there's a great atmosphere around Dublin for the weekend of the marathon and I felt it was missing out, so I had to jump in and, and train for it and get it done. So as regional director for Ironman, you've had quite a hectic schedule over the summer, no more than myself, but how did you manage to fit in your training and uh, what sort of time were you looking to do on Sunday? Um, training was, was, was a great difficulty, I suppose, given the amount of events that we have over the summer, but uh, yeah, lot, lots of runs in places like Staffordshire and Weymouth and Tenby and all across the UK, but uh, yeah, it was a good mix in fairness, but uh, the long runs were were tough to get in with, with that hectic schedule but we got there what's the longest run you've done uh 36k 36k yeah so we've 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 gotten up there to the end nearly so yeah so should be able to get it over the line and uh, what time are you hoping for on sunday uh, anything anything around 315 sub 315 would be great i really hope you enjoyed this episode and are inspired to maybe target a marathon yourself in 2020 or maybe volunteer at your own local race and see what it's like from the other side of the barrier Thanks as always for tuning in and a big shout out to all of you who have been tuning in for every episode. We now have listeners from across the world, from Ireland to Australia, the UK to the USA, South Africa to South America. 
Thank you so much to everyone who's taken the time to review the shows and indeed get in touch with me directly. I'm really enjoying researching and recording the shows and meeting so many wonderful, inspiring people. So hearing that you're enjoying the shows is really, really great and it's very much appreciated. If you enjoy the show and especially this one, please pop a review on Apple Podcasts or on the Facebook page, Try Talking Sport. Or you can also pop me an email directly to trytalkingsport at gmail.com. Try with an I, not a Y. As always, thank you so much for listening. Until next time.